Greetings ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this batch video of one-shots taken from the HUPI subreddit. The links to the originals will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do so, please consider subscribing, because for those that don't, you will be visited later on by a biomass-eating cloud of sentient nanites. Story number one. Humans are colonizers, written by Salmonella Tuna. Welcome to the UDST, the Universal Data Station Terminal. Your current language is human, universal. Please input your user information to proceed. Login, UF underscore Ben Morano dash MJ. Password, 15349655543. Welcome Major Morano B. Please input the data you wish to access. Access ADL translation UY 13 times 10 to the power of 9. Accessing. Access complete. All 459 nonillion, 130 octillion, 543 septillion, 403 sextillion, 667 quintillion, 209 quadrillion, 111 trillion, 574 billion, 392 million, 6959. Collected voice data logs translated to current terminal language. Available for majors. Are available for access. Please input data log name for access. If unsure, use the keywords or scroll through the data on the tablet provided. Open Simp Humans Colonization Efforts Log 2 Opening Data Log 345323.171.08954.106.10 to the power of 9 Simple Name Humans Colonization Efforts Log 2 By Commander Fainus Marie from the Stash of Brun this is Commander Fainus Marie from the Starship Room. It has been only 15 Earth years since my last log on human colonization on other planets. But in those years, they have already accomplished so many things. In my first log, I discussed that humans were getting along with the Universal Federation and would gladly be our ally if only to protect themselves. I had also discussed that the leader of the Northwestern country called the United States about colonization efforts to make their reach resources and population grow. I was surprised when the leader claimed that humans were already attempting colonizing the next planet over, the one they call Mars. It was very puzzling indeed. Nobody in the Universal Federation thought colonizing a barren world. However, we still gave them the proper resources to help them. What came to everyone's surprise was that the humans were not only colonizing the planet, they were terraforming it. Terraforming was a process of converting a planet into something that people could live on. It had been considered by the Universal Federation, but was denied prospect due to time, effort, and resources it cost. We therefore had to resort to colonizing mild planets, ones that could be livable by as many species as possible. Humans, though, thought differently. They had a short lifespan, much less than the time it took for terraformation on a planet. Not only that, but they lacked the resources to do it. We had just given them the resources to do so. In the 15 Earth years of the colonization of Mars, and there are already approximately 200,000 humans living on the planet, and the atmosphere was already starting to thicken. They had said without our resources, they couldn't have done this much this quickly. 
We had also done some calculations and had estimated that, ideally, in approximately 250 Earth years, the planet would be fully terraformed and suitable for humans. They seemed glad with this, where I pointed out that the time and resources used for this excursion would be too much. They had only told me one thing. It doesn't matter. The time, the money, nor the effort. This will be our first step into intergalactic colonization. Those words, those ideals, they show me why my father was so interested in humans until his passing. If their technology was more advanced, there would be so many habitable planets that we would know of thanks to their efforts. Therefore, I implore the Universal Federation to reopen the terraformation efforts, so that we can colonize more than just those of the perfect condition. This is Fainus Marie, commander of Starship Room, signing off. I am hopeful that terraformation will be a process that we all adapt to. Data log ended. Log out. Logging out. Thank you for using the Universal Data Station Terminal, Major Morona. We hope to see you soon. End of story number one. Story number two. Liars and Cheaters, written by Draco92. Humans are a disgrace. We found their little planet of mostly water swarming with nearly seven billion of their species. The direct order was to test military defenses of their planet. We made contact initially and immediately deployed some moderate to light fast cruisers from our main battleship. Their military bases throughout the world were reasonably defended but taken by complete surprise by our military force. I suppose I was expecting more resistance, but what can I say? Between initial communication and our onslaught, it was merely one-twelfth of their planetary time. They are weak, deplorable lifelings. They ask for and practically beg for peace from our initial communication and the end of our first assault. We found this initial appeal weak in the eyes of the Grossium Empire. We simply terminated the entire area called uh, California. After resistance came forth despite negotiations starting about trade tributes, the humans agreed to send the first tribute of iron and processed gold ore back in some of the landing craft that we had sent down. This was expected after only 28 some planetary cycles. Liars, cheaters, filth! They claim peace, I believe their exact words in the translation were ceasefire, or to stop assault permanently. While believing our conquest was complete and subordinates tamed, we collected a majority of our landing crafts and turned for home. We lost some communication to a few ships in the mountain terrains of, uh, America. Three landing crafts and two of our cruisers. It was relayed as the craft lost navigation control due to an electrical failure and equipment malfunctions due to the planetary interference. Then, like the scum that they are, the humans betrayed their agreement of ceasefire. I believe our translation was gravely misinterpreted as a complete and utter surrender. Dishonor. Tricksters despise. They used the transport ships to sneak explosive devices into some of the transports, and additionally placed a device unknown to our weapons defenses, but similar to a cosy species defense shields, called an air P aboard. Upon turning for our home voyage, several blasts erupted from our containment bay near our troops' quarters. This initially disabled most of our personnel. Then, as the secondary blasts immediately followed, which sent a wave-like pattern, knocking out all of our electrical wiring and shutting down all communications. 
Several of our battlecruisers drifted and crashed back down to the planet, I believe. Slimy garbage parasites. Although we got our FTL engines fired up again on our commanding vessel, the human scum weapon fired all of their electrical wiring, leaving us in a dead orbit floating around their planet with no way to actively use our ship or increase the power to thrusters. They are trash. They have no honor. They lied in stopping resistance. The humans cannot be trusted. Despicable. I'm unsure if you'll receive this message due to everything with the electrical wiring ruined, but our current ship will likely crash back into the human planet in a few days or weeks. I'm unsure if starvation or the crash will occur first. The human must be shown no mercy. They are subversive in their words. They are liars. They are cheaters. They are humans. End of story number two. Story number three. Loud and clear. Written by Mega Mickle. Humans have always had a problem following orders. Tell a human to do something she thinks it's stupid and she'll tell you so. This has at the same time one of the most endearing and most frustrating qualities. You can trust humans to speak their mind, even to their betters. Before I had a human engineer on board, the concept of speaking freely was so alien to us that I didn't realize what I was getting myself into by agreeing. I could have found her insubordinate on the spot for things that came out of her mouth, but this was part of the program, right? To learn about the humans and let them learn about how the rest of the Alliance fleets function, or greater cooperation. So I let the spines on my back relax, nodded, told her that I would take her suggestion that the chief engineer remove the stick from his rear into consideration, and sent her back to work. Little did I know how much I would value that input in the future. The fellow captains of the Alliance I urge you, every human on your crew asks to speak freely, listen to them. Their ability to give raw, unfaltered feedback is one of the most valuable ways to check the pulse of your crew and how your actions are affecting them. I fought to get Lieutenant Perez permanently assigned to my crew. The human admiralty would hear nothing of it until she wrote them a letter explaining how valuable her time was proving. They agreed to allow her to continue serving aboard the White Dwarf for another two-cycle tour. While she was competent enough engineer, the reason I kept her on board was because of her words and advice. The way that she would walk into my office, the contactless door seeming to heave open a little faster as she stood before me, hands crossed behind her back, the same fierce look in her eyes every time. Permission to speak freely, Captain. How I both dreaded and welcomed those words in those days. Never once did I refuse, but sometimes I wish I had. Commander Rax is outright wrong about the coil drive, sir, and he won't listen to me. I showed him the fluctuations report and he dismissed them as an anomaly. We could all be dead if it blows, and I could fix it in two hours' downtime. So, the crew are exhausted from the mission, though they're too afraid to looking weak to admit it. We need a day or two of shore leave. Sir, you look like hell. I don't even have to understand Aldrestian biology to see it. Take a nap and let your commander handle the bridge for a few hours. I heard about humanity's pension for rebellion. But even still, I thought it extended to this ability to give voice to their sometimes unwelcome opinions. I didn't realize the full extent of it until later, towards the scheduled end of her tour under my command. 
we were in orbit above a backwater colony providing medical aid to a group of Halcyons who encountered the toxic materials on the surface. It should have been a routine mission, until we realized that the compounds that they had encountered had a psychoactive property. I don't know if you've seen an angry Halcyon, but they can easily bend steel and break glass. For a species of pacifists, they are very, very good at wanton destruction. Unfortunately for my crew, the medbay happens to be situated over the engine core to ensure the sensitive medical equipment is always powered. One of the Halcyons pounded through the floor into the core room and then took it upon himself to rip the shielding on the auxiliary drive and help himself to the jump coils inside. Needless to say, this was not good. The Halcyon was killed by the resulting flood of heat and radiation as the jump drive began to violently discharging its stored energy into the engine room, threatening to explode violently and take the ship with it. We had two options, find a way to discharge the energy into space or abandon ship. When I called Commander Rex for his opinion, he stated that the only way to redirect the energy would be to patch the shielding just long enough to operate the auxiliary drive and safely discharge its stored energy. I ordered them to begin, and within two minutes the engineering crew was suited up and in the engine room, frantically attempting to repair the shielding in order to operate the auxiliary drive, long enough to safely discharge the stored power. After 15 minutes, the temperature and radiation readings were reaching the thresholds of what the hazard suits could handle. Rax, get out of there. I'm giving the order to abandon ship. I barked into the comm. Yes, sir, came the reply from Rax, and a few minutes later the drive core was clear of lifeform readings, save for one, and the rest of the crew scrambled for the escape pods. It was Lieutenant Perez. Perez, what in the frozen hells are you doing? Get out of there. Captain, I can still save the core. Perez's confeed was punctuated by sounds of metal groaning under the stresses of heat. Damn it, Perez. I said get out of there. Do you copy? Aye, Captain. Loud and clear. Permission to speak freely, sir. That damnable phrase. Always. The pods won't make it out of the blast. This is the only way. You don't know that, Lieutenant. Aye, Captain. I don't. But even still, there's not enough time for the whole crew to evacuate. I am going to do my job. Perez, evacuate the ship at once. That's an order. Sorry, Captain, but I'm going to have to ignore this one, she laughed. You can mark me up for an insubordination if it helps. The radiation levels were well beyond the hazard suit's tolerance. I knew I had to get her out of there soon, or she'd be cooked alive. I swore and rushed to the engine room as the frantic evacuation happened all around me. As I reached the door, I saw her frantically sprinting from panel to panel, an electrical arc forming with the patchwork shielding that she had managed to build. She had thrown off her helmet, sweat pouring down her face and her skin turned beet red. I banged on the sealed door, screaming her name, but she worked on. Finally, she turned to face the door, giving a wary smile and a thumbs up before collapsing. The arcing stopped, the groaning metal ceased, and the temperature normalized. The door seal opened with a hiss and I rushed in, cradling Perez in my lower arms. She had the same weary smile on her face as she lay there, her body given over to the endless sleep. I wept loudly and openly, kneeling there and holding the human for several minutes. When I gave my report to what happened to my command, they were stunned. She ignored an order that would have given her safety to save crewmates who weren't even the same species as her. 
To those unfamiliar with the human's rebellious nature, this was unfathomable. The human admiralty was less shocked, though she was posthumously given, at what I was told, the most prestigious award for military service. They also asked me to attend a death ceremony. I will admit, I am unfamiliar with the human custom. I did not know if the speech that I am giving today was worth fitting for that somber environment, but in my culture, we see such things as a chance to celebrate life, as well lived, to share stories, to laugh and cry, as we recount our memories. Sarah was a headstrong, fierce, talented engineer, and over two hundred crewmen owed their lives to her, myself included. Permission to speak, granted, Lieutenant. Now and forever. End of story number three. End of this batch video. If you wish to support the author or the channel, all the relevant links are down below. But the easiest way would be to share this like a plague to everyone and anything that you can think of. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good time, and I'll see you then. Cheers.